Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives, we're consumed by all the what-if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun. If you're like us, then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass. Or play call. Each week on Alternate Routes, we'll take a flashpoint in sports, break down what actually happened, then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused. Follow Alternate Routes on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery+. Plus. This is season one. It is episode 35. This is the Fly the W670 podcast. And now we are going to move into an interview with Tony and Drake from Marquee Sports Network. Joining me now on the Fly the W podcast, I have Tony and from the Marquee Sports Network. Tony, how are you doing? Doing great. How are you? Oh, man, I'm doing great. You know, excited about everything that happened with the South Bend Cubs last night. You know, a little bit more exciting than kind of what we've been seeing with the big league team with the Marlins, kind of a interesting series, but uh, you know, two teams that really aren't going very far. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the fact that the Cubs have had a lot of winning in their system this year, and it's something they've pointed to a lot. And I think it's, you know, I, I don't know how to really gauge the intangible facet of like winning as a minor leaguer and translating that to the big leagues, but you definitely rather see your, your minor league teams winning than not winning. I think that's for sure. Not only that, they're winning with young players. You know, some organizations, they have kind of some older guys. Like, you know what I mean? Like when you have a bunch of college guys in low A, you know what I mean? They're going to be more dominant. Um, but the Cubs have such young teams in the minors, and they're learning to win. To, it reminds me a lot of, again, the, those teams in 2013 and 14 in the minors before they started kind of coming up the end of 2014. So like you said, exciting, exciting to see things winning. And I love the fact that Marquee Sports Network has been showing games and then and, and the um, – the road to Wrigley program and all that stuff. It's been phenomenal. Yeah, no, it's been awesome. Lance Brasowski's done just such a great job of all the several road to Wrigley's the, the live wraparound show. And then uh, the other shows that we've aired on like Sunday evenings as well. They're just kind of half hour interview with Matt Mervis um, that aired again last night after the Cubs Marlins game and stuff like that. So yeah, there's been a lot of like really cool content down on the farm type stuff. Yeah. Now, as far as the future is concerned for the Cubs, you had an interesting piece that you put the other day on the Marquee, Web, Marquee Sports website um, about the new rules and how the Cubs, because they're not doing really well, it gives them an opportunity to kind of start prepping for some of the new rules. Um, one of the new rules, obviously, is going to be the banning of the shift. You're going to have to have both feet on the infield dirt and two infielders on each side of the second base bag. Um, but what impact do you see that having on say it, it's hard, like I said, because now you have injuries to, uh, both Nico and magical, but you do get to see, um, how this may affect players in the future and what, how the Cubs evaluate those infielders that they do have. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, when you figure guys like Zach McKinstry and Christopher Morrell, like their place with the Cubs is not set in stone. It's uh, pretty likely, I'd say, you know, their versatility, the fact that McKinstry is a left-handed bat and the Cubs don't have a lot of those obviously right now on their roster. Um, but yeah, I mean, to see if with the new shift rules, like if McKinstry can handle second base or if they like him as a third base outfielder only. And then honestly, same thing with Christopher Morrell, you know, he, made his um, his career coming up through the minor leagues, mostly playing in the middle of the field, you know, a lot of natural shortstop and then second base. And the Cubs do like him a lot there. They like his arm too, you know, and obviously that's not always utilized as second base, but yeah, just seeing what these guys can do, the jumps they can get on the ball, you know, staying on their side of the bag, so to speak. And like you mentioned too, the fact that Nico is out, I think is, is helping to allow, it gives them more freedom to do this because you don't have that like chess piece like we've seen in the past with Javi Baez or this year with Nico, where you can just move him around wherever. And, you know, when you don't have a guy like that anyways, you might as well get a head start on next year and see what, what your roster, your current roster can do under the new rules. And so that that's a big question, Nico, you know, he's had a very good defensive year. If you look at his defensive run saved and everything, but, the, but, you know, the question is whether or not he, how much he will be impacted by these new rules. Do you feel that Nico might be somebody that could be harmed by the new rules coming into effect? Um, In some ways, yes, just because he's like dynamic at making those plays in shallow right field. We, we've seen him, I think he rakes towards the top of the league and, you know, outs made in like right field at outfield grass right there. Um, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but, you know, he's always been really good at that. He's made some just simply like incredible plays doing that. So that that's one way that obviously that is no longer going to be an option for the Cubs. So it will impact him and his defense overall. That being said, he's made some incredible plays just staying on the shortstop side of the bag as well. Um, so, and we've seen him in at second base, you know, last year, especially when he was healthy and earlier in the season and Javi Baez was there. I remember there was a couple games in a row where Andrew Chafin was pitching and Nico just showed off incredible range, you know, going into the outfield grass, just playing second base. So I don't think, I think he's one of the guys that will still be a very, very good defender, even with the shift rules in place. Uh, and that's really wherever he plays, whether it's at shortstop, second base, third center, like wherever, I think he's just a gold glove, gold glove caliber defender. Yeah, and he said all the right things about just wanting to play for a winner more than carrying exactly his spot on the infield. But, you know, you look, and there's no doubt the Cubs have talked about spending money this offseason, and you got a class of Trey Turner's going to be a free agent, Dansby Swanson, and then Correa and Bogart's both got the opt-outs. So, I mean, there's four potential amazing shortstops that would be available. You would have to think that the Cubs would be looking that direction to try to improve the team. Yeah, for sure. I think really the Cubs just need more good players and impact players. So when the fact that probably the four top free agents and then five, if you include Aaron Judge, um, that everybody expects from an offensive standpoint, like four of them play shortstop. Well, yeah, I mean, the fact that Nico is already a gold glove uh, finalist at second base, then you could move him over there or you could have him play third. I think going into this year, the plan the Cubs had initially, if everybody stayed healthy, if things had worked out with Andrewton Simmons was that Nico may move around a little bit more. They, there was not necessarily this, this plan set in stone that he was going to play shortstop every day. Uh, so yeah, by signing one of those guys, I, I think, you know, especially, you know, Trey Turner, Xander Bogarts, like those are two guys. Turner's going to be 30, 31 next year. 
Um, so maybe he plays shortstop for a couple years if it's that route and then Nico goes there. There's a lot of different options. I think the Cubs just like the versatility they have with Nico and understand that they need more impact players and really more specifically impact bats. Absolutely. And, you know, another rule that's going to be coming in, which I love, is the pitch clock. Um, so the pitch clock, 50, 15 seconds to throw a pitch with the bases empty, 20 with runners on. And, uh, you know, we were talking a little bit. I was at the uh, South Bend game on Sunday, the championship game one, and the pitch clock's right there. Like the pitcher can see it right there, and it, it just moves the game along. I, you know, I've been looking at this, and, and, and in your article you wrote about how David Ross, where they were kind of timing certain people. Yep. To me, and, and tell me what you think, I don't know if it's going to really affect the Cubs' big picture because I'm looking at the starters, right? You got Hendrick, Stroman, Drew Smiley, Wade Miley. We don't know if Smiley will be back or Wade Miley. Hopefully they work some out with Smiley. But when you talk about Hendricks and Stroman and Miley, I don't see those guys as being, obviously not Hendricks, uh, guys that hold the ball that long. You know what I mean? For sure. I mean, Miley's arguably the quickest worker in the league. So David Ross was joking, you know, in his interview with Taylor McGregor, just about how the Cubs are going to have a whole bunch of Wade Miley's out there. And he's like the one guy that this won't affect. Um, I think it might affect guys. You know, the, the rule of not throwing over to first base may affect guys a little bit more, particularly on the Cubs pitching staff. But yeah, for the pitch clock, I don't think it's really going to be that big of an impact. And, and I think we're going to see the product on the field, maybe even a better defensive product too, because Guys talk about it all the time. When you have a quick worker like Wade Miley or Stroman, who works pretty quick as well, or Hendricks, and the, the defenders know the ball is getting put in play, like they're alert. They're making good plays behind him. And and guys always talk about loving playing behind those kind of those kind of quick workers and um and guys who put the ball in play. So I think maybe we'll see a better defensive product overall around the league. But I'm with you. I don't think the Cubs have a bunch of slow workers, you know, and obviously it's something they can work out right now. Keegan Thompson came back and when he's in a groove, he obviously is working quick. And Justin Steele, I think, has the ability to work quick too. Like sometimes I feel like maybe his starts get a little slower, um, but that's also a young pitcher trying to find his way. So uh, I think it's something that everybody will have to figure out, but it'll probably impact those relievers that throw like a hundred miles an hour more often because they need, more time to recuperate between pitches. And obviously the Cubs don't have anybody like that right now. So I, I do think their pitching staff is well-suited for this. And not only that, I mean, like what you're talking about is obviously like, you know, a, a guy like Aroldis Chapman, who's been in the league. God, I can't even, what, he's, you know, since at least 2010, right? I mean, I'm trying to think how far back he goes. But a lot of the Cubs young pitchers, including some of the guys that they have that can throw some heat, um, you know, you got Manrod in there and, and others. But, like, they've kind of been more accustomed to the pace yep. of the game because they're all, you know, Justin, Keegan, you mentioned, but Adrian and Hayden Wesniski and Javier Assad and Manny Rodriguez. I mean, all those guys are, are used to it because right now it, it's ha it happens in the minors. They're, they're more used to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, that's a great point. And, and honestly, a lot of these hitters coming up, too, in the Cubs system will be used to it as well. They'll be used to, like, getting ready and not taking time out of the box um, as well. So, yeah, I, I think that's a really good point that – the fact that they've done it before in a game-like setting, especially as they're trying to get to the big leagues, I don't think it'll affect them that much. And from everybody I've heard, you know, we talked to Alex Cohen on Cubs Weekly Podcast a couple of weeks ago, the Cubs AAA broadcaster. He was like, honestly, like the pitch clock, guys are just like, yeah, it, it is what it is. Like by like the end of April, like people were just not talking about it anymore. It's just a way of life and everybody got used to it pretty quickly. So I think that's what's going to happen in the big leagues too. 
Yeah, I mean, like I can see guys, like I said, older guys like Chapman or Justin Verlander, guys, you know, just guys that have been in the league that aren't used to it. But like with the Cubs, you're looking at a team that's going to be getting, you know, it's going to be a pretty young team I'm anticipating pretty soon, you know? Yeah, for sure. And like you said, a lot of these guys that are already up and other guys that may be on the way, you know, Ben Leeper, or Caleb Killian, we saw for a bit, or some of these other guys, like, yeah, they they will already have been pitching with the pitch clock for the entire an entire season or maybe more by the time they're up in the big leagues. Absolutely. Now, there was an interesting graphic that Marquis had up, and you retweeted it the other day, about Patrick Wisdom. And he has the fewest at-bats per home run. The only guys in front of him, number one, classic from the 70s, the proud of Mount Prospect, uh, Dave Kingman. You had Sammy Sosa, you know, the, the franchise home run leader, uh, yeah. Kyle Schwarber, and old H-Rod, for those of you who remember in the 90s, Henry, O. Henry Rodriguez. So, you know, Wisdom, obviously, when he makes contact, that ball's going out. What role do you see for Patrick Wisdom in the future with this team? Yeah, it's a good question. And I don't know for sure, um, but I think he's another guy that um, is just a good athlete and good defender on the field. And and we saw more of that, I think, last year than this year. But this year was also really interesting in the sense that this was the first time that he was playing like every single day for an extended period of time and throughout the course of a long season before this finger injury here. And that's new for him. That's new for him in the big leagues. So uh, even though he's 30, 31, like that's it was a different experience for him and learning how to make sure his body was right each day um, and and mentally just be in every game. So I think he'll learn from that and take that moving forward. And I do think he is a, a really strong defender who can play third or first, or, you know, we saw him uh, was it Wednesday night in Miami, make a couple of nice plays in right field as well. And, and then he's gone out there in center. So the finger is bothering him right now. It's been going on for about a month, but when he's back and healthy, um, I, I think he's really right now, he's probably their best power bat in the lineup. Maybe that changes with offseason moves, but he's a guy that maybe slots in that six hole in the order and, and can come up and, and really strike fear into the opposing team and, and can go, you know, hit 25, 30 homers in a season and also play, play good all over the field, uh, play a bunch of different positions. And he's a solid base runner too. So I think there's a lot to like there. I don't know specifically what role he'll play, but I think he'll, he'll play a pretty big role. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Yeah, you know, and that, you know, as Cub fans, we sit there and we start kind of picturing, okay, let's get one of those awesome short stops, you know, whether, you know, whoever, whether it's Correa or, or Dansby Swanson or whoever, and then you put Wisdom at third and, and Nico at second. But, the, you know, one of the questions that's going to come up is first base. And obviously, uh, just a lot of the stories lately has been Matt Mervis and that home run power. Do you see someone like Matt Mervis starting the year at first base or maybe in a platoon type situation? I mean, this guy, all he's done is hit at every level they've put him at. 
Yeah, I you know what? I would not rule it out right now. It, obviously, we're not going to see him this year. You know, a lot of that is that 40-man crunch uh, that the Cubs have and a lot of guys that are up for the Rule 5 draft this year they need to protect. But, yeah, I, I think it'll be really, really interesting because uh, if he comes out in spring training next year and mashes the way that he has been all this year, how do the Cubs leave him off the roster, especially when they need left-handed left-handed power but just left-handed bats in general and – as of right now, it doesn't seem like they have the first base position solidified. You know, Frank Schwindel is gone. Alfonso Rivas, Jared Young are some of the other options, along with Higgins, PJ Higgins. And then we talked about uh, Patrick Wisdom, too. So, you know, they have a few internal options. But a guy like Mervis really could separate himself. And if he hits well in spring training, if, you know, he goes to the Arizona Fall League and continues to thrive on all the all the things the Cubs have thrown against him next or this year so far, I don't see why next year he couldn't start in the big leagues opening day maybe a little bit of a long shot. They probably want more. They want to see him maybe do it again at AAA, but also just a little bit more of a um, a track record at AAA. But I, yeah, I definitely wouldn't rule it out. And honestly, he's a guy that next year I see at Wrigley Field at some point. I don't know when, maybe it's as soon as April, um, but he, he could be making an impact at Wrigley pretty soon. Well, obvious shirts just dropped the Mash Mervis uh, collection again. So I might have to go grab me one of those next homestand. Um, another question that you guys asked on marquee was what makes you more excited Alzali in the pen or Adrian Sampson in the rotation? Um, I gotta tell you, man, Adrian Sampson, like when you look at the game logs, right? He has, you know, you're, you're thinking like just in general, Adrian Sampson, uh, you know, kind of profiles as a fifth starter, you know, and all you ask for a fifth starter is to keep you in the game, right? Give your team a chance to win. The guy's been doing that every single time out. I mean, he's beaten Burns, DeGrom, Pablo Lopez the other night. I mean, this is, I mean, I'm trying to figure out if this guy's for real or what's going on or how all of a sudden is it, you know, is it just having the opportunity to show what he has? Yeah, I think a lot of people are right there with you just trying to figure it out. He's been silencing critics since he got here, since we heard of him, you know, towards the the middle, later end of last year. He pitched really well for the team last year in a couple different roles, you know, long relief in, in the rotation. Uh, he dropped that, like, kind of epic Game of Thrones quote, like, we're all trying to vie for a spot out there, which we all loved as writers and in the media. And then, yeah, this year, you know, he wasn't a part of the big league team. Like, he was a free agent uh, in the offseason, came back on a minor league deal, comes up in May, you know, pitches once briefly, gets DFA, goes to Seattle, comes, or, you know, is uh, – Sent down from there, uh, Alex minor league free agency comes back to the Cubs because he loved everything about this organization. He really wanted to sign back here, and he's given the organization a lot of credit, like up and down from guys like Craig Breslow, who heads up the pitching infrastructure, to even just you know Tommy Hadovy and and the the pitching infrastructure at the big league level specifically for getting the most out of him, understanding what his stuff does. Uh, and and how he can get the most out of that, and then what he does well and pitching to that also. So his stuff is ticked up a bit. I mean, we see some 94s and 95s out there when he's on the mound, and last year I think he was sitting like 92 only. So his stuff is ticked up a bit. You know, it, it looks for real, but really I think it's the mindset thing with him. Like he just has this mindset that like he knows he's 30, like he knows his career is on the line here, and he goes out and shoves – just about every time out. And like you said, he's beat some really good pitchers. He's He keeps kind of defying odds, not necessarily logic. Like it, you watch it and you're like, oh, obviously like this guy can get guys out. But like, yeah, I think so many people are waiting for this other shoe to drop and it just hasn't happened. So he's kind of the perfect depth guy that 
I don't know that he cracks the rotation next year, but maybe he's stashed at AAA and comes up if somebody's hurt or maybe he's a multi-inning relief weapon. Like, I don't know, but it sure seems like Adrian Sampson needs to be a part of the 2023 Cubs. Absolutely. And when we talk about Alzali, he was, he was out all season, you know, with injury, but they had him throwing a couple innings a few times already. And he's looked for the most part, pretty good. Um, you know, and so I've heard David Ross talk about this idea of, of this piggybacking of having these relievers that are going to go three, maybe four innings. Uh, do you see Adbert more in, and Keegan Thompson actually, for that matter of fact, you know, more in that kind of role? I mean, I worry about Adbert's injury history as far as being a starter, but, you know, it, it, does that look like the direction the Cubs are going is using a couple of these guys to be piggybacks for like, you know, three, maybe four innings? Yeah, it looks like that's probably an option. Yeah, um, maybe the most likely option right now because you figure Hendricks comes back healthy. You have Stroman and Steele in the rotation next year, and who knows? Maybe it's Wesneski, maybe it's Keegan Thompson, maybe Smiley comes back, like you mentioned, uh, or Miley, or you know they add guys like Carlos Rodon opts out, or Jacob Degrom, or you know those are the top of the market in terms of free agent starters. But I'm sure the Cubs are going to be shopping in the free agent starter market because they need more guys. They know, they know how, mel- how well um, the starting staff can help this team. And the season this year kind of fell apart when all those guys got hurt. So yeah, I think they're going to have guys like Alzali or Keegan Thompson, or maybe even Wesneski. If they don't crack the opening day ro- rotation, they're probably going to be these multi-inning weapons out of the bullpen. Maybe Samson as well, like we talked about. Ultimately, I think that might be a better spot for Alzali just because he's had issues with lefties and maybe he gets over that. Um, he obviously had some very good starts last year, but you know, he's a guy who had over five ERA as a starter last year and then went in the bullpen and was dominant. And if he, if they can find the right pockets for him and he can come in as, as a one inning guy, if there's a team with a lot of lefties or a two or three inning guy, I, I do think that he can be more of a weapon for this team. And then we've already seen what Keegan Thompson can do in the bullpen. And he did it again Wednesday night in Miami. So I think those are two guys that right now maybe you pencil in vying for that fifth starter spot for next year. And if the Cubs sign somebody or bring back a guy like Drew Smiley, then, yeah, I think they're in the bullpen and they they can be like serious weapons. Like, Because really that's the other thing too. When Keegan Thompson was doing this earlier in the year and he was doing it every time out of the bullpen, that gave the rest of the bullpen this reset every day where David Ross knew, hey, three or four innings was covered by Keegan Thompson – every other pitcher didn't even have to pick up a ball and they were more fresh for the next day. So I think there's a lot of value in that. And the Cubs like that, I think David Ross in particular likes that. And we'll probably see some of that uh, next year from a couple of these guys. Well, Tony, you know, I really loved everything that's been going on with Marquee. I feel like the, the network keeps improving all the time. Do you guys have anything up, uh, you know, planned for the off season, any kind of shows, anything Cubs related? Yeah, we'll still uh, continue to be doing Cubs content. Definitely looking forward to the uh, non-lockout, more regular offseason, you know, no pandemic. Uh, so GM meetings, winter meetings, it should be a regular offseason. Uh, so we're definitely looking forward to that. And, um, you know, we also have Bear Essentials, uh, the Chicago Bears show going on. So that's every Wednesday. Those are a couple of things we got going on. But, yeah, Cubs content all winter long. And it should be a really fascinating winter for Jed's front office. Absolutely. Well, Tony, I appreciate you hopping on. Where can the listeners find your stuff? Uh, give a Twitter handle, any kind of uh, any other plugs where we can find your stuff at. Yeah, so everything's at marqueesportsnetwork.com and then uh, Twitter handle is at Tony and Drackey 23. Tony, appreciate talking baseball with you and we'd love to have you back on again soon. Sounds good. Thanks. Appreciate it, man. 
Old Man Winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. Oh, <laughs> heaven. Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, Old Man Winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.